thankful we ought to be for what God has done and is doing in our lives. So Psalm chapter number 34, uh, if you would go ahead and turn there and uh, we'll read a few verses from this chapter, though we'll look at all the chapter in the message. And if you're here this morning, you still have not received the message, the notes of the message, raise your hand. The ushers will get you the notes as well. They should be in your bulletin. But if uh, if they weren't there for whatever reason, just go ahead and raise your hand and the uh, ushers will get one to you. That way you can follow along through the message this morning and hopefully it'll be a, a blessing for you. Psalm chapter number 34, Psalm chapter number 34. And uh, we'll read verses one through verse number eight. Verse number one through verse number eight of Psalm chapter number 34. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were enlightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful this morning because you truly are good. Father, we truly can say this morning that we have and are blessed by thee. And now as we study this passage of Psalm 34, Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray, first of all, that you would uh, fill me with your spirit, that I would be able to communicate this message in a way that would um, be clear and understandable, that would be uh, a a message that would be an encouragement to to many here this morning. I pray that your spirit would not only... uh, Fill me this morning, but then uh, search our hearts, as the psalmist said, to see if there be anything in our lives that needs to be changed, any area in our lives that needs to be uh, given over to you. And, and I pray that you would, uh, that your spirit would search our hearts this morning, that you would help us to uh, understand and then apply your word and, and be more fully committed to you as a result of hearing your word. I pray now that you would just bless this time. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Lord, if we could, we will fill our hands with all the wonderful things you give us. Then we lift them up and give them back to you. you've given me all you've 
perhaps the most uh, overlooked and under-celebrated time of the year is the time that we're starting to enter into now. The Thanksgiving holiday has been a, a holiday that sadly now is known more for being just the turkey day or the big uh, day of uh, a turkey dinner or a big dinner with mashed potatoes and gravy and pumpkin pie and all these kinds of dressings that go with that meal. Uh, it's getting known for the Christmas shopping that happens on Black Friday and the preparations that come with the Christmas season. And, and Thanksgiving is slowly fading away from really what it truly should be meant to be celebrated. And that is the thanksgiving of God. In fact, it was instituted by our nation uh, as at its founding, really close to uh, before it even um, had its independence as the pilgrims first came. And they, they had a, a very rough winter. And seeing as God provided for them to survive that winter, they celebrated with the uh, Indians at that time. They came together and they had a great... A meal, and it was a meal of thanksgiving. It wasn't really a meal just to get them prepared for Christmas. It wasn't just a meal to sort of uh, pass the time and have some fellowship together. The focus of this whole celebration was to be thankful to God for what He had done, for the blessings that He had brought over the past year. And really, as we get into this uh, year, into this month, it, it behooves us as Christians to take time to just stop and and reflect upon the last really 11 months and see what God has really done, even in the year of 2017, to bless us. Uh, this was a, a holiday that is meant uh, to just thank, to be thankful and, and give thanksgiving to God for what He has done, not only to for us as a nation and as a family, but personally. In fact, uh, it just seems like our nation is getting further and further away from this uh, this holiday. It seems like right after Thanksgiving, we uh, I mean, right after Halloween, it goes right into Christmas. Yesterday uh, afternoon, or actually in the morning, uh, I got to go with uh, my family. We went to the mall there and, and got to see the new expansion of the mall. It looks pretty awesome. If you haven't been there, you, you should see it. It looks really nice. But as we walked through that the, the mall there at La Plaza Mall, uh, every store, every decoration through the hallways there is already Christmas. It's like Thanksgiving is not even in existence anymore. It goes from spiders and spider webs and pumpkins uh, that are carved out to Christmas. But uh, our nation is getting away, it seems like, from uh, this time of just being thankful to God for what he's doing. And the sad part is uh, there's really not much we can do about stores and, and the decorations that they put. There's really not much that you can do, uh, perhaps, for the nation and, and how the nation goes in its way and what, what it votes for and what it does in, in many areas. But the sad thing is that many Christians are following into that same exact pattern. Many Christians are beginning to forget what Thanksgiving is all about. They're, they're not taking time to just be thankful about what God has done uh, in their life, what he has done over the past year for them. And, and it's, uh, it's incredible that we just really, as Christians, need to come back to that time in, in, in the month of November where we really look back and are thankful for what God is doing. It's amazing how uh, easily we can forget the blessings that we have received in life. In fact, in 1978, here in our country, a man by the name of Thomas Hansen, who lived in Boulder, Colorado, sued his parents for $350,000 on the grounds of malpractice of parenting. 
he said that their parenting was so bad that he was going to have years and years of costly psychiatric treatment. Now, if you've had kids this morning, you know if anyone needs treatment, it's parents, okay? Uh, that, that, that the kids just bring a lot, a lot into the life of a parent. But the ungratefulness of a, of a man like Thomas here to just say, I, I can't believe my parents uh, have brought me up and done so badly for me when anyone that, has parent, uh, that, that is a parent knows how much it costs to raise a child. A child cannot survive on its own. There is no Mowgli, Jungle Book, wolves raising children anywhere in our world. They eat children, okay? They don't raise children. It takes a loving parent to raise a child. And, and no matter how many mistakes a parent has made, the fact that you've survived 10 or 15 or 20 years just shows that there was someone that loved you and someone that invested in you and someone uh, that brought you to this place. And, and it's amazing how unthankful we can be and how ungrateful we can be if we let our heart go that way. Well, in Psalm chapter number 34, this is a psalm in which David wrote after a time in his life, after an experience in his life where uh, he had made some wrong choices, some bad mistakes. If you know anything about the life of David, you'll know that David was, was a very courageous man. At, at a very young age, some believe that he was either 15, 16, or 17 years of age, he killed a giant by the name of Goliath, a giant that was, by some, uh, uh, some estimations, probably 10 to 10 and a half feet tall, a man that was a man of war, a man that was very strong, a man that was known for killing others. In fact, for 40 days, he challenged anybody in the nation of Israel, any soldier to come out and fight him, and nobody would. In fact, the Bible says they would go and hide from him as he blasphemed God, as he stood and challenged them and in defiance of them until a 15 or 16-year-old young man by the name of David came out and challenged him. He, he saw that there was a need for a cause. There was a cause to stand up to this giant, and he did. And with God's help, he defeated that giant. But then you'll find on that day, it was a momentous day, a day that changed the course of David's life. He, he came from just being an, um, uh, an unknown shepherd boy that just looked after his father's sheep to being the giant slayer. And that got the attention of not only the nation of Israel, but it got the attention of the king of Israel by the name of Saul. And Saul was a man that started watching David and became very jealous of David as people in the nation of Israel began to sing David's praises. They would say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And, and Saul did not like that very much. It moved him to, to be a jealous king and very jealous of David to the point that he began to persecute David, pursue David to kill him. On two occasions, he narrowly killed him with a javelin. And, and finally, David is, is sent on the run. For 10 years, David is a fugitive running away from King Saul. And he wasn't running away because he had done anything, any kind of crime, merely because he stood up to a giant and slayed a giant. Now he's being pursued by the king. Now he's looking to be killed by the king because of that very fact. And so David for 10 years is on the run. And, and I can't imagine a life like that, a, a life where he's having to go from place to place. And really, there's no place that he can just call home. There's no bed that he can lay down in and, and feel at peace and feel that uh, no one is going to come out and get him. In fact, for those 10 years, all he is thinking about is who's coming after me. And you can't blame David after a few years of this, that David begins to doubt God's promises. 
God had promised David that he would be the king of Israel. The, the prophet Samuel had come to David and anointed him as a young man and said, you are the next king. God has chosen you to be the next king of Israel. But in those times of going around in the wilderness and running away from Saul, David begins to doubt a little bit. David begins to think, I, I don't know if, if really, maybe I misunderstood that. Maybe God was talking about a different life, but, but there just doesn't seem like in this life I'm going to be the king of Israel. I mean, King Saul has narrowly almost killed me twice. I'm on the run. Everybody's after me. And he begins to doubt a little bit about what God can do in his life. By the way, have you ever been there? You ever been going through a, a difficult time in your life where you feel like, I wonder if God can get me out of this one? Yeah, I know he's gotten me out of the last uh, pickle I was in and the last problem, but, but it just seems like this problem's much bigger. I mean, I, I remember I killed a giant in my life, but, but that was just one time, and it was one giant, but I have the whole army of Israel after me. I have, I, it just seems like the problems are ten times bigger than they were in the past, and it seems like uh, the pressures are, are mounting more and more, and and you begin to doubt, I wonder if God can do it again. I wonder if God can, can help me this time. Well, David begins to start doubting, and because of that, he start taking, starts taking things into his own hands, right? And so he goes to Elimelech, the, the priest, and he lies to him. He lies that he's on a secret mission, and he, he lies to get food, and he lies to get the Goliath's sword, and now he's not trusting in God's protection. He's trusting in his own protection. He starts thinking, well, I killed that, uh, that giant, and I have this big sword, and, and it's, it's mine. It's rightfully mine. I killed him. So uh, he gets that sword, and he says, well, with this sword, I can protect myself. With this sword, I'll get out of it. And then he finds that that's not enough, and he begins to run away. And before you know it, now he's in the land of the Philistines, the enemies, the enemies of God. He's there now trying to live with them, trying to seek asylum. In other words, trying to seek protection from the king there. And then... As he's there in the land of the Philistines, some of the people there begin to recognize him. They re begin possibly to recognize Goliath's sword, and they say, isn't that David? Isn't that the, 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 the next king of Israel? Isn't, isn't that the, the giant slayer, the one that brought us down as a nation uh, of Philistines? Uh, uh, isn't that David? And so they go and, and they arrest him, and they take him before the king, and now David is really, really in trouble. Now David really doesn't know what to do, and the only thing that he can think of is to act like a lunatic. In fact, he acts so much like a lunatic, like a crazy man. The Bible says that the spit on his face would come down on his beard, and he was acting so crazy that finally the king says, why do I want a crazy guy? I don't want this crazy guy in my courts. Kick him out. Send him back to his country. And finally, David is, is taken back to, uh, to Israel. He's let go. He's released. And he goes to the cave Adullam. And that's where he writes this psalm. He begins to reflect on that experience, starting with running away from Saul, running through the wilderness, lying to the priest, living in the land of the Philistines, acting like a lunatic, and now getting back to this cave. And he begins to reflect on that. He's, he's thinking, what a, what a crazy year. But he begins to think about how good God has been to him. You know, the best thing that you and I can do when we get into a situation where we feel overwhelmed, where we feel like there's no way out, you know, the best thing for you and I to do as Christians is to think about how good God has been. 
That's not the time to start thinking how bad life is. It's a time to start writing down how good God has been to me. Let me tell you, if you start writing down how bad things are, you'll never get out of that discouragement. You'll never get out of that depression. You'll never overcome the doubt that comes from uh, doubting God and his protection and his, uh, and his blessings in your life. But if you sit down and you begin to write how good God has been, you'll see that things will begin to change. You'll begin to see and remember that just like God helped you kill that giant, he can, he can help you survive that nation that's looking after to kill you. That you don't have to act like a madman, like a lunatic. You don't have to lie and you don't have to cheat and still to get ahead and to overcome. You just got to trust God. Remember what God has done. So as you get into this passage, I want you to notice this quickly. As he starts in verse number one, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. One of the things that uh, David remembered, he said, man, you know, I was running away uh, from King Saul and I, and I began to use my mouth wrong. I, I, I used it to lie and then I used it to, to act like a lunatic. And he said, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I've been so blessed by God. He said, I want to bless the Lord at all times, and I want his praise to be continually in my mouth. He said, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. You know, the first blessing that David really thinks about as he's there in that cave, he thinks of the blessing of God's person. The blessing of God's person. Aren't you glad this morning that we worship a God that loves us and cares for us? A God that will never leave us nor forsake us? A God that really cares what is going on in our life? A God that provides for us? Aren't you glad that's the kind of God that we have? A God that is loving? I tell you, I'm glad that I didn't grow up in a culture and in a household where uh, they worshiped the God Molech. The God Molech was an Old Testament God that asked of his followers to throw their babies in the fire as a sacrifice. I'm glad that I didn't have someone worshiping Molech that said, well, you know, I, I don't think Jeremy's that necessary. I love Molech that much. I'm just going to go ahead and throw him in the fire. I'm glad I didn't have that. I'm glad I, I didn't have, uh, I, I'm glad we don't worship a God like Baal. The God of thunder that has his prophets cutting themselves and yelling and screaming for him to just hear them just for just for a moment. Who Elijah said, man, maybe he's asleep, maybe he's on vacation. I'm glad I, I don't worship a God that never hears me or doesn't see my situation or doesn't respond to my prayers. Aren't you glad that you don't serve a God like Allah? A God that asks for you to give your life in martyrdom? Aren't you glad that you worship a God that says, I am life and I am peace and I have come that ye may have life and life more abundantly? I mean, we have been blessed this morning, blessed by the person of God. That's who David focuses on first. He focuses on God himself. How wonderful God is. He focuses on the worthiness of God. You see, we praise so many people for so many things. We praise the sports athlete for his abilities. We praise the businessman for his successes. We praise the inventor for his genius, the musician for his music. But none of these things truly are worthy of praise. For you see, you say, who gave that music? You must ask yourself, who gave that musician that music? And who gave that athlete his ability? And who gave that businessman his successes? You see, None of that is because of our own doing. But all that comes from the grace of God. 
a God who is loving, a God who is giving. You see, God is the one and the only one who is worthy to be praised. 2 Samuel 22, 4 says, I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. You see, it's only God that is worthy of our praise this morning. But not only is the person of God worthy, but I want you to notice that David focuses on his greatness as well. On the greatness of God. He says, oh, magnify, in verse 3, the Lord with me and let us exalt his name. The word magnify means to lift high, to make great. He says we ought to uh, praise and worship he who is great. The greatness of our God. He, he encourages those around him. Hey, men that are in the cave with me, come here and let us worship our God. Let us magnify his name. Why? Because he is worthy. Because he truly is great. Psalm 48.1 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. David understood and knew this fact. That God is worthy because God is great. We find that if you are going to be blessed this morning, if you understand how much you've been blessed, you'd understand then this morning. And you ought to be thankful for the goodness of God's person. The greatness, the worthiness of the God that we worship. Man, we've been blessed with an amazing God. We really have. I think it's sad in my own life how sometimes I can be led away by the God of this world by the riches that he offers and the pleasure that he offers and not truly be committed to that God that is worthy that God that loves and cares for me David after all of his experiences looks back while he's there at that cave and he says man I've been blessed by the person of who God is but then he says I also have been blessed with the presence of God in my life. Not only God's person, but God's presence. He said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. We see that David recognized this blessing in his life, and it's this, that God is attentive to my needs. God is attentive to my needs. We must remember that God knows our shortcomings. He, he knows our faults and failures. But his presence is not only with us when we are strong and in control, but even when we have failed him. God is always there. He has never leave us nor forsake us. He, he's always there to be attentive to our calling. David had lied. David had gone to live with the Philistines. David had stopped trusting in God. He started to trust in himself and in his own abilities and in his, in his fighting power with the sword. And yet, after all those experiences, he said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. I can imagine that David, as he was acting like a lunatic when he was in front of that king and in front of the Philistines, I, I, I have to believe that when he would go back at night and lay down and sleep, that he would just cry. Lord, deliver me. Lord, help me. Lord, I've messed up. But, but you can help me. You can deliver me. You know, in that cave, after he looked at all those experiences, David remembers, you know, I've, I'm truly blessed. Not only is God who God is, is awesome, but I have found that God's presence is ever with me. What a blessing to know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Psalm 66, 20, blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, 
nor his mercy from me. David recognized, man, even though I messed up God still, when I sought him, he heard me. What a blessing to have a God that is attentive to our need. I wonder this week how many times have we had to count. How many times, perhaps not in formal prayer where we got on our knees, but how many times maybe when you were driving, you were thinking about something that's going on this week, and you're saying, God, I hope, just, just help me through this. And God, you know the plans that I have. God, would you bless them? Isn't it awesome to, to know that God hears you when you do that? You don't have to be in church for God to hear you, but God is there with you at all times and in every place. Even in the place you say, I shouldn't be in this place. Even when you're living in the, in the land of the Philistines, God is still there. David said, I, I sought him and he heard me. He remembered that God was attentive to his needs, but then he was also able to supply his necessities. He says there in verse uh, number four at the end, he says, and not only did he, he said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. God is not one that merely listens. He's not just a psychiatrist that said, okay, sit on the couch and just tell me what your problems are. No, he's not one that just hears you out and lets you blow off steam and vent to him. God is one that will deliver you. You see, God is able to supply our necessities. Whatever need that you have this morning, I want to encourage you and remind you that God is one that supplies your need. If you, if you look back throughout this year, starting in January 1st of 2017, I'm sure you can think about things that happened in February and March and April and May where God supplied your need. This is a time to look back and be thankful and say, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. Being thankful this month of God's person, being thankful this month of God's presence in our life. David, through all of his experiences, remembered, man, God has been so good. I am truly blessed. Blessed to have God in my life. Blessed to have his, pres his presence in my life. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful promise? You ought to be thankful for it this morning. We truly are blessed by God. But I want you to notice that David said, not only have I been blessed because of who God is, not only have I been blessed because of God's presence in my life, but I've been blessed by God's protection in my life. You read in verse number six, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. You see, when God protects us, that means he stays with us. Verse number seven, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. That word encampeth means to stay, to stay close. David remembered, though I had wandered off, God was still close to me. God was still there. His protection was there. At any time, the Philistines could have killed him. And they would have been right to do so. He was their enemy, after all. He was the one that killed their hero, their giant. And yet God protected him in that situation. King Saul at any time could have discovered where he at. There was many times where King Saul was on one side of the mountain and David was on the other side of the mountain and, and Saul never found him, though they were on the same mountain. Why? Because of God's protection in his life. He said, I remember that God stayed with me. 
You see, others may cut and run uh, when things get tough, but God never does. God will always stay with you, even during the difficult times. And by the way, that ought to give you some confidence as you face some difficulties. And maybe you face difficulties already this year. I think it's great to, to look back and say, you know, God was my protection during that time. I remember in June when this happened, and God was my protection at that time. You see, he always stays with us. His word promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Not only did David remember that he stays with us, but that he delivers us. David remembered how God delivered him from the bear, from the lion, from the giant, and now from the Philistines. He's in that cave, and he said, man, he not only encamped around me, but then he delivered me, he said. He delivered me. It wasn't David's plan, let me tell you, of lunacy that got him off the hook when he was in the land of the Philistines. It wasn't that great acting job that he did. No. It was simply that God was there with him. It was God's protection in his life. And now he's at the cave and he's saying, you know, I, I'm so blessed. I'm blessed that I have a God that loves me and cares. I, I'm so blessed that I have a, a God that never leaves me. He's, his presence is ever with me. I'm so blessed that I have a God that will protect me. Man, we have so much to be thankful for when we look back at the God that we serve. There are times in our life, I'm sure this year, that you can look back and think of God's protection. Perhaps you had a loved one that had a car accident and they didn't even spend one day in the hospital. Perhaps you can think of a loved one that was battling cancer and, and God has been pulling them through and pulling them through that treatment. Man, God has just been good of that protection in his life. We find that David said, man, I've been, I've been so blessed because of God's person. I've been so blessed because of God's presence. I've been so blessed because of God's protection. But then he also says, I've been so blessed because of God's provision. I think one of the most beautiful verses of this chapter is verse number eight. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He said, blessed is the man that trusteth in him. One of the things that David, as he reflected over his experience, he said this, you know, I'm so blessed because God's provided for me. And let me just tell you a little bit about his provision. It is good and amazing. He said, come taste and see that the Lord is good. Obviously, he's, he's using those two words, taste and see, figuratively. He's not saying that you can uh, uh, taste it uh, literally with your mouth. But he's saying, you know, if you've ever bitten into a really well done steak, if you've ever uh, really uh, eaten a, a cake that is just, just has the perfect combination or the pie that was just perfectly baked, you say you taste it and you go, ooh, that was so good. It's satisfying. It's, it's complete. It's perfect. And, God says, uh, and David says, you know, when, when it comes to God's provision, I'm telling you, it's that kind of feeling. He says, taste it. You can taste it. He says, you can see it with your own eyes. Man, I, I'm sure if we had the time to go through each and every one of our stories over this past year, what God has done, I'm sure some of you can say, man, let me just tell you how good God is. Oh, if I can just share with you so you can, can, so you can just taste a little bit of the experience that I had. It's just, it was just awesome. It's just unbelievable what God did for me. David is talking to the men there in the cave with him. And he's saying, man, 
Let me just tell you, men, God is good. I mean, he's good. He is amazing. You know that all that God gives is the best. See, God is the best, and all that God gives us is the best. He doesn't give us just what is okay. He doesn't give us, well, it'll pass. No, God always gives us what is best. And what David is trying to convey to his men is, let me tell you something about what God has done for men. I'm so blessed because what he's provided for me has been the best. Man, I haven't always taken advantage of it, and I haven't always made the right choice, but let me just tell you something. God still gives me what is best. Man, I'm so blessed because he is good and amazing. But not only that, he says there in verse number uh, 9, he says that God is abundant and sufficient. He says, oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want anything good or any good thing. David said, man, I, I, was, I was running away in the wilderness and I saw some, some lions. And by the way, the lion is like the beast of the, you know, he's the king of the beast. He's the, he's the one, he's the ultimate predator. And he said, and I noticed that there are times that those lions, though they were young, though they were strong, they were at the peak of their life. He said they were, they were hungry. Some of them were just scrounging around and, and looking for food, and they, they lacked the supply of their food, and they were hungry. He said, but let me just tell you, as a child of God that has been blessed by God's provision, I haven't lacked anything. God's provision has been not only abundant, but it's been sufficient. It's everything I've ever needed I like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when facing one of the biggest trials in his life. He said, I prayed to God and God would not answer, but God said to me this. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul learned about God's provision, understanding, you know, when God provides for me, it's not always what I want, but it's always what is best. Paul said, I, I wish I could get this thorn uh, in the flesh out. I, I wish I could. Some people think it was his eyes. Uh, some scholars believe it was his eyes. Maybe, maybe he had trouble seeing. He, he thought, God, if you, if you could just take away that, I could do more for you. And God said, no, actually, you'll do more for me through that, through that weakness. He said, I've provided that for you so that you can be more dependent on me. Now, we've just been so blessed by God. We really have. David, as he reflected, he said, man, God's been good in who he is, in his presence for me, in his protection of me, in his provision for me. Man, I truly am blessed. I like the Peanuts cartoon of Charlie Brown. He was, uh, it was Thanksgiving, and he's bringing Snoopy his, his food. And, of course, Snoopy was expecting a big Thanksgiving dinner uh, in, his, uh, in his bowl of food. And as he sees Charlie Brown coming to his uh, doghouse, he, he, he notices that it's just a regular plate of food. There's nothing really, no turkey, no nothing. It's just the regular food. And, and uh, he looks into his bowl, and, and Snoopy starts to think. He says, this isn't fair. He says, the rest, the rest of the world is eating turkey with all the trimmings, and, and all I get is dog food. Just because I'm a dog, all I get is dog food. And then he stared at the food for a while, and then he said, well, I guess it could be worse. I could be a turkey. 
Sometimes it's like that in our life. When God gives us a, his provision, sometimes we, we look at the wrong thing and we think, oh, I, I should have so much more without realizing God has given you the best that you can ever have. It's just understanding I've been blessed today. I want to finish with this. I want to finish with three things in your notes as a result of reflecting on God's blessing. You see, David wasn't just a man in this psalm when he wrote this to say, I just want to share with you how blessed I am. No, he said, there's a, I, I want to share that with you, but there's something that does to me because I've been so blessed. There's things that I've decided now, from now on, that I want to do because I have been so blessed. And that's what he takes the rest of the chapter saying and talking about. I want you to notice, starting in verse number 11, he says, Come, ye children, hearken, to, uh, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Then he asks this question, What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days and that he may see good? He said, how many of you guys in the cave would like to have a, a blessed life? How many of you would like to see good days and things turn around and everybody said, yeah, I do? Yeah. I think if I were to ask any of you this morning, how many would like a promotion and job? And how many would like a little bit of extra income? And how many would like for things to go right? And how many would like for you to stay healthy all of the rest of next year? I think everybody here would say, yeah, I'm, I'm in. What do I got to do? David says to all the men there, how many, how many would like that? Then he says in verse 13, well, this is how. This is how it's going to happen. Number one, he says, keep thy tongue from evil. The first thing he says is you need to watch your words. A person that understands he has been blessed by God understands this. Because I've been so blessed, I must watch my words. Watch what I say. He says to that, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. This is a man of experience, a man that knows what he's talking about, a man that just went through a period in his life where he didn't always say the right thing, where he lied to the priest. And by the way, because of that life, uh, because of that lie, the life of the priest was taken. He was murdered. He was killed by King Saul and then 70 other priests because of that one lie of David. Then he goes into the land of the Philistines and, and now they're mocking his God because of what he said. And he says, you know, I've been too blessed to not be careful with what I say. I wonder how many of us this morning go to work uh, on, on Monday morning thinking, man, I need to watch what I say. What am I going to talk about today? You see, uh, David said, I need to have the right uh, kind of words coming out of my mouth. I, I ought not to use my mouth to, to just talk about the selfish praise of myself, and I shouldn't use that to just try to further my own agenda, but I need to, to use my mouth to further the kingdom of God. That's why Paul said, whatsoever things are good and pure, hey, think on these things. Talk about those things. Paul said, listen, we've been way too blessed to just be selfish in our life. The problem with many churches today is that there's too many people filling the pews that are not really think about, thinking about how blessed they have been by God, but focusing so much on themselves that they just use their mouth to talk about themselves all the time. The Bible says, how shall they hear unless there be a preacher? You say, when you go to work tomorrow, you're that preacher. When you go to that family member's house that's not saved, you're that preacher. And David says, hey, keep your tongue. Keep thy lips from speaking guile. Watch what you say. 
He said, I've been so blessed, I need to watch my words. And then secondly, he said, I need to watch my works. He says in verse number 14, depart from evil and do good. Depart from evil and do good. You know, our words will usually follow our works. The president of, our, of my, the Bible college where I went to used to always say, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. That's, da- that's basically what David is saying. He's saying, men, men here at the cave, listen, God, I've been so blessed that I, I've noticed I need to do this in my life. Number one, I need to watch what I say, how I use my mouth. But you know what? I also need to watch what I do. What are the works of my life? How am I living and what am I living by? We must look to those works that would please the Lord our God, that would reflect His love to others. That's what doing good works is all about. It's not about saving my soul. It's not about being holier than thou. It's not about being better than the Christian that's in the other pew. That's not why we do good works. Paul said comparing themselves among themselves is foolish. It's stupid. It's dumb. So many times we can get caught up through the year of, hey, well, I I mean, that family over there at our church did it. I don't see nothing wrong with it. The pastor didn't say nothing wrong with that. Let me ask you, why do you do what you do? Is it to impress the other Christian? Is it to impress the pastor? Is it to try to gain God's favor? Or do you do what you do because you understand you've been blessed? David said, man, I, I've just been, I've been way too blessed in my life. I need to watch what I say. I need to watch what I do. Watch my works. And then thirdly, at the end here, verse 14, he says, seek peace and pursue it. We need to watch our walk. Our walk. He says, seek peace. The works of every person reflect the walk that they have with God. A person who can keep his walk right will have no problem with his works or with his words. And that you can take to the bank. If you just maintain a right walk with God, let me tell you something, you'll talk about the right things at work and with your family. And I guarantee you, Monday through Saturday, you'll do the right things with your time. You'll have the right focus in life. It it really isn't that difficult. David just simply said, man, if, if there's anything I can tell you guys here at the cave, what's happened to me in this past year, I can tell you, God's blessed me. I have been blessed like you wouldn't imagine. But here's what I've learned about those blessings. That I need to talk a certain way, and I need to live a certain way, and I need to walk a certain way. David was one that was looking to help his men realize just how blessed they have been. One that was encouraging them to walk right. The rest of the chapter there, and you can read it, the rest of the chapter, he illustrates that. How to keep your tongue from evil. How to depart from evil. How to seek peace. There, verse 16, uh, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, all the way through, he, he describes what that means. He goes in a little more depth of that. This morning, I want to remind you You're blessed. You're blessed with God's presence in your life. You're blessed with God's protection in your life, with God's provision in your life. I mean, God's been so good. I wonder, what does that blessing move you to do? David said, it moves me to watch what I say, watch what I do, 
and watch how I walk with God. I want to encourage you this morning, in this month of Thanksgiving, to realize, man, I really am blessed, and to make that move you, may that move us to do what is right, to talk about what is right, to walk closer with our God. Abraham Lincoln said this many years ago, but it seems like if he were to say it today, that he would be right on. He said this, he says, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. If there's anything that we see in our nation is this of getting away from thanksgiving. As Christians, I want to encourage us this morning. Let's truly celebrate what this month is all about. It's not about a turkey dinner. It's not about pies and cakes. It's about being thankful for that one who has blessed us with so many blessings. I encourage you. I encourage you to think upon his blessing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for the truth that we find in this chapter. Oh, Father, we truly can say as the psalmist, we are blessed. I pray that this morning as we reflect upon the blessings that we've experienced this year, as a family, as a church, as individuals, as Christians, I pray that we would be moved by those blessings to follow after you. To be one who speaks about those things that are true and right and righteous. One who lives a life that would please you in all that we do. We would plan our, our to-do list throughout the week around things that would please you and honor you. And Father, that we would not be lazy in our walk with you. We would not be negligent, but always staying close. Oh, Father, we truly are blessed, and may that blessing take us to a higher level in our walk with you. Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts. We would remember that we are but dust and earth, and that without you we can do nothing. I pray that you would give us a time throughout this month of blessing. May we take time to meditate on how blessed we are, May that move us to do what is right. Thank you, Father, for all of your blessings. And I pray now, as we, as we finish here this morning, that you would continue to speak to us throughout this week and show us areas where we can apply this truth in our life. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.